Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Have your Bibles this morning. I hope that you do take them and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 and following through the rest of the chapter. And uh, I want to tell you a story uh, that I have been thinking about as I have prepped for this message. About three years ago at my previous church, I was getting established here in Mississippi, and I went one day before staff meeting to the DMV in Tylertown, and I got my license. Well, whenever you pull a license from another state into Mississippi, you have to take a vision exam. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at my watch. I'm trying to get back in time for staff meeting. And they look at me, and they say, okay, Mr. Todd, everything's in order. We need to do a vision exam right quick, so we need you to look into this honestly, what I thought was a rinky-dink looking machine. And I said, okay. And so I get in there and they said, okay, read the first line. Well, we got a problem because I knew stuff was there, but I couldn't read it. So I hurried up and I closed one eye and I could kind of read a little bit better. And so I, I struggled through and I read that first half and they said, well, there's more. I said, I just wanted to make sure you knew that. And so I hurried up and I played it off. And if you ask me, I I think they knew that I was struggling and they gave me my license anyway. Fast forward to the next Sunday, I'm in a teacher training that I'm leading. And just to start off everything on a light note, I told my teachers about that experience. And very urgently and in a very worried manner, my teachers, all 40 of them, looked at me and they said, you need to go to the eye doctor yesterday. And so I said, okay. And so I went to the eye doctor later that week. And as I'm in that exam, you know, they do what eye doctors do, you know, which is better, one or two, two or three, three or four, whatever. And we eventually got to my prescription. They said, all right, we're going to get you some glasses, go pick you out some frames. And, you know, that I think glasses make me look smarter. And so I wanted some glasses that made me look just that. And so I go and an hour later, I walk out with two pairs of, well, I leave having given them money for two pairs, go pick them back up. And uh, I'm sitting in seminary. A few days later, I'm looking at that projector screen. It was an Old Testament survey. I know y'all were just waiting all week to hear what class I was in. And I was sitting there in Old Testament survey, and I have no idea what the professor was lecturing on because I was more amazed with the fact that I could see clearly. And so I'm sitting there the entire time, huh, well, that's neat. And I kept doing that, and I did that for probably 10 minutes because for my entire life I had not seen clearly, but I did not know I was not seeing clearly. It wasn't until somebody said, you're not seeing clearly, let's fix that that I knew something was off. And Paul prays for the Ephesians that they would have spiritual understanding, that they would have spiritual sight. And I wonder today, do you need a vision checkup? I know I often need a vision checkup. Sometimes I get things out of perspective and God the Holy Spirit has to reorient my perspective. He has to bring me back into reality. He has to bring me back into that which is so. Because the truth of the matter is we are in a society and in a time in which our attention is constantly being vied for. 
Uh, if you are a millennial or Gen Z, you probably watch TikTok or Instagram Reels. My youth pastor, who is mid-50s uh, and whose name is Tom, his attention span is about seven minutes. Do you know why that is? Because when he was a kid, the shows were about seven minutes before commercials. So his attention span is about seven minutes. Gen Z, so those born 2000, about 2015, their attention span is much, much shorter. I would say probably 30 seconds if you had to push me for an answer. And that's not a joke. I mean, it seriously is. A TikTok or an Instagram reel is about a 30-second video. We're competing all the time for truth. TV and social media and everything else tells us that there is a standard, but the problem with the standard that they tell us there is is that it isn't a biblical standard. But the problem is we buy into it, our vision gets out of alignment, and then we wonder why things don't go right. We need to have true biblical vision. I once heard it said that if you actually have true vision, you will always live a life that is slightly uh, dissatisfying because you will always know that there is more to experience. One day when we all get to heaven, what a day, what a glorious day that will be. There is more than what meets the eye. And today I want to show you three things. There are certainly more than three things, but I want to show you three things. So in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 and following, I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. This is why the Apostle Paul writes, Since I have heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, Listen to verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what the hope of your calling is, what the wealth of his glorious, uh, what, the, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at the right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he has subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is the body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. So I wonder today, do you have true biblical vision? Maybe you have it, but maybe it's a little distorted. I wonder what we can do to clear that up a little bit. I wonder what we can do to enlighten the eyes of our hearts. Well, truth be told, it's nothing that we do. It's all what God the Holy Spirit does. So the first thing when we have true biblical vision that we are enabled to see is God's glory. When we have true biblical vision, we are able to see God's glory. Now, uh, the word glory is one of these things that we use, and in Christianese we use it a lot of times, and sometimes we have no idea what we are actually saying. I remember when I was a kid and I learned the word ironic. I had no idea what it meant. It was just fun to say. 
So I would use it in conversations left and right. And I remember I, I went over and uh, my, my dad and stepmother here one day, I went over to uh, Mr. Ron and Miss Mercer's one day, probably to sneak a cookie before dinner because they wouldn't let me have cookies before dinner, but the neighbors would. And I was talking to Mr. Ron and Miss Mercer and I used the word ironic. And Miss Mercer looked at me. She says, son, do you know what that means? I said, I have no idea, but it sure is fun to say. And glory is one of those words. Sometimes we use it. Sometimes we have no idea what we're talking about. So what is glory? What is God's glory? Well, John Piper says that God's glory is his holiness made manifest in an undeniable and unmistakable way. God's glory is his holiness manifested in an undeniable and unmistakable way. We sung about the birth of King Jesus this morning. Hey, when Jesus came, that is God's glory manifested in an undeniable and unmistakable way. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God's glory was revealed. So what is His holiness? If it's His holiness revealed, well, Again, Piper says that holiness means that God is in a class by himself. He's infinite in perfection, worth, and value. God's holy. We're not God, but he is. And so we're able to see God's glory. Now, you might be thinking, well, Brother Craig, that's all well and good, but what exactly does that mean? Well, the first thing it means is that God is majestic and powerful. God is both majestic and powerful when God works, he works in order that people might stand in awe. God works in order that people might see him and be in awe of him. He's awesome. He's full of awe. He is awe-inspiring. Listen to First Chronicles uh, chapter 29, verse 11. The author says this, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty for everything in the heavens and on the earth belongs to you. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom and you are exalted as head over all. Newsflash, we're not God. We're not God. You give me something long enough, I can mess it up real quick. You can too. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We can't control time. We can't control others. We're not God. When we see that God is the one who is majestic and powerful, we're going to rightly understand that we don't go and demand anything of God. I was talking about getting uh, glasses three years ago. Well, last year, about this time, I was having constant migraines. I mean, constant migraines. I'd go to bed with them. I'd wake up with them. I'd come here into the office, and I'd sit in my office for an hour as quietly as I could and as uh, uh, still as I could and just pray that the migraines would pass. Well, I went to my doctor, and the doctor said, well, Craig, I don't think it's a brain tumor. Well, Dr. James, I don't think ain't good enough. (laughs) And uh, I said, well, my next eye appointment is in a month and a half. He said, oh, you'll be fine for the next month and a half. Just wait then. No. Found me an eye doctor the next day. But for about 24 hours, I spent time wrestling with God, and I eventually settled on the reality, God, you actually owe me nothing. So God, if, if God forbid this is something more than just me having migraines for whatever reason, May you be glorified. Come to find out all I needed was some blue light filtering glasses for those of you who were curious. But 
The truth is, when, God's majestic, when, when God is the majestic and powerful one, and he is, we don't go and demand anything of God. He's majestic and powerful. When we have a right view of God, everything else falls into alignment. You get your understanding of God wrong, everything else in your theology is off. You get who God's wrong, everything else is off. We also see, though, that God is kind. Uh, the New American Standard, the 1995 translation, translates Ephesians 1.5 this way. He predestined us according, I'm sorry, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ himself, according, listen to this, to the kind intention of his will. To the kind intention of his will. God is not waiting to pull a gotcha. Now, as our heavenly father, we often project our image of our earthly father on him. So if you had a bad experience with maybe your, uh, w- w- uh, with your dad or another father figure in your life or even with your mom, you might project that experience on God. If your parents always waited to pull a gotcha, you might see that God wants to do that too. Well, God doesn't. God is kind. And he's always going to do what's best for us and what gets him the most glory. Our life is not our own. Our body is not our own. In both life and death, our body belongs to the Lord. God is a kind God. He is not vindictive toward his children. Now, I know, I know in other churches we have this, but I know we don't have anybody in East Haven like this. And I'm certainly not like this either. But does anybody know anybody who can be petty if you cross them and just seek ways to get back? We call that passive-aggressive. A few years ago, there was a TV commercial. I forget who it was for, but it may have been a Geico commercial. But somebody would leave passive-aggressive notes to their roommate who was a bear, and the bear did not handle that well. The truth of the matter is, God is not vindictive toward his children. Will he discipline his children? You better believe it. God will discipline his children, but he always does it lovingly and in a kind way. And that also brings us to the next point. God is also loving. Listen to Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he has had for us, he has made us alive in Christ. Though we were dead in our trespasses, you were saved by grace. God is loving because of the great love that he had for us. God loves us unconditionally. We've been taught in our society that love is conditional. I'll love you if. I'll forgive you if. I'll do this if. No, God says, I love you regardless. Romans 5, 8, <clears throat> excuse me, Romans 5, 8, God has proven his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We can never earn God's love. We can never earn his forgiveness. God is the very definition of love, 1 John 4, 8. God is love. If we be in Christ, God's never going to reject us because he's reconciled us to himself. When we have a right view of God, When we have true biblical vision, we're going to see God's glory. We're going to see God for who he is. And when we see God's glory and we see God for who he is, we're also going to see God's plan. We're going to see God's plan. God's never caught off guard. God is never caught off guard. Some of you uh, dads in here who may have coordinated family vacations, you can get caught off guard and pretty flustered really quickly. Something doesn't go right. In fact, we're taking uh, some students to Tennessee this week on a mission trip, and uh, 
I've got the itinerary, and I'm ready for that itinerary to just be thrown out the window five minutes into the trip tomorrow. God's never caught off guard. God has always been on a mission. He's always been on a mission. Well, what's God's plan? Well, God's plan, number one, is to get the most glory for himself. In the beginning, God created. Why did God create? Because I was going to get God the most glory. God created mankind knowing that we were going to sin. He knew we were going to sin before the first let there be. That's why John tells us in the book of Revelation that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. God saw what he was going to do before he even created. He saw what we were going to do. God's plan is a redemptive plan because God himself is redemption. God is redemption. God is redemption. Listen to Psalm 68. In fact, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there. Psalm 68, uh, verses 31 and 35. The psalmist says, The psalmist says, Ambassadors will come from Egypt. Cush uh, will stretch out its hand. So sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Sing praise to the Lord, to him who rides in the ancient highest heavens. Look, he thunders with his powerful voice. Ascribe to God, the psalmist says, his majesty, ascribe power to God. His majesty is over Israel. His power is among the clouds. Listen to verse 35. God, you are all inspiring in your sanctuaries. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God. Everything God does, he does to get glory. Even when he works on our behalf, he's doing it in order to get him glory. Why have you been blessed by God? In order to give God glory. Why have you been saved? In order to give God glory. Why has God led you on the path that he has led you? To give him glory. So if God is all about getting glory, how has he been specifically doing that all of this time? Well, I've already mentioned it, redemption. The story of Christianity is God reaching down into human history and saving mankind. Every other religion in the world, it's man reaching up to God, praying that their God will look at them. But in Christianity, it's God reaching down into human history and stepping into time, literally stepping into the flesh in order that he might dwell among us. First, uh, John chapter 1, verse 14. God has been on a redemptive mission. He's working to redeem people even now. If you have been redeemed, he's still redeeming you day in and day out. If you haven't been redeemed, he wants to redeem you. God is all about redemption. He's all about reconciling the world to himself, bringing us back into relationship. Listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 19. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Hey, you've been reconciled to God, you've been redeemed. Hey, now you're on a mission. You're on a mission of reconciliation. You're on a mission of redemption. I might get in trouble for this, so 
Forgive me in advance, Kayla. We have a rule in our relationship. If she crosses me or I cross her, we make a point to confess our wrong and then to specifically ask for forgiveness. She thought I was three fries short of a Happy Meal when we were just talking as friends and I upset her about something and I said, please forgive me. She said, oh, it's okay. I said, no, I said, please forgive me. (laughs) There's a difference there. God does not look at us and say, well, it's okay that you sinned. No. God looks at us and says, you are forgiven. The blood of Jesus Christ has covered you. God is on a redemptive mission, a mission of reconciliation, bringing sinners, bringing enemies of God back into relationship with him for his glory. For his glory. When you have true biblical vision, you see God's glory and you see God's plan. And then you live a life of abandon, a life of sacrifice, a life of being sold out to the mission. We would do well to practice that. My grandmother did not graduate high school. I was at her camp at the start of this past year, and there was uh, a friend of theirs who isn't saved. And we're sitting at their camp, and this lady mentions God. She says, well, I believe you're saved this way. Now, I, I mentioned the fact that my grandmother did not graduate high school because she makes a point to remind me of that for some reason. I don't know why. But I remember this conversation. She said, well, my grandson here is a preacher. And, you know, he, and then she just started spouting off the Bible. And she's like, do you want to get involved in this? No, I think you got it. You got it, mama. Come on. Go on, share the gospel. She sold out. She doesn't have a theological degree, but by golly, she believes God at his word. She lives a life of abandon. Do you live a life of abandon? Or is just coming to church enough, reading your Bible enough and just saying, well, I checked it off the list. Do you live a life of abandon? God's redeemed you, and he's not redeemed you for you to sit on your rear end and listen to some guy talk once a week and some musicians and singers sing once a week. He's saved you for a purpose. He's saved you to give him glory, and you, get, you give him glory as you take part in the mission. Now, here's the other thing. When we have true biblical vision, we, also, we see God's glory, we see God's plan, but we also see our status. There are a lot of disciples, and sometimes I fall into this category. There are, okay, let me rephrase this. There are a lot of disciples, and oftentimes I fall into this category, I'll just be honest with you, that I forget what God has done for me. My grandfather is a retired county agent. He worked for 40 years for the LSU Ag Center. I have many memories being at livestock shows, chicken shows, one reserve grand champion one year. That's a different story for a different time, showing chickens. At the time, if you were an exhibitor who had a question or you were the county agent, you were on his team, his administrative team, or you were his grandson, you could be in the livestock office. You could come in at any point. If you wanted a donut, get you a donut. 
You wanted an ice cream bar, get you an ice cream bar. You want a carton of milk, go get you a carton of milk. Whatever you want, if you had the status, you go get it. No questions asked. And boy, did I put that to work. (laughs) What little boy wasn't? We have a status that has been given to us by the Lord Jesus himself. And a lot of times we walk around acting as though God has not done anything for us. I'm guilty of that. God, I feel so guilty. And then I just want to focus on that. God, I feel unworthy. Well, if you read the Bible, I am unworthy. It's he who has made me worthy. Apart from Christ, I am guilty. But look at what Christ has done. Do you know your status? Do you know what God has done? Have you embraced it? Let me tell you, if God's done it, it's worthy of being embraced. It's worthy of being embraced. I tell you, I had no concept that I might have been annoying other people as a little boy walking into that livestock office. All I knew was my granddaddy was the county agent, and he said that if I wanted a carton of milk, I can go get me a carton of milk. As children of God, he has told us we can come boldly before the throne. We can come and we can ask anything of him. And if it's it's in accordance with his will, he'll do it. He said that. Don't you think it's time we embrace what God has done? So what has he done? Well, the first, we've been reconciled. We've been made right with God. 2 Corinthians 5.18, everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. You're not an enemy of God anymore. You're a child of God who doesn't always act like a child of God. Now, parents, you, many, well, if you're a parent, of course you have a child. But parents, sometimes your children are not very lovable. Now, are they? And what do you do even when they're not lovable? You love them anyway. We've been reconciled. We're not enemies. We've been made alive. We've been regenerated. We're no longer dead and enslaved to sin. Listen to Ephesians 2.5. We've been made alive in Christ even though we were dead in our trespasses and sin. God made us alive. God made us alive. We've been justified. We've been totally forgiven in Christ. Romans 5.1, one of my favorite verses. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been justified. You're a child of God and you walk around feeling guilty. That ain't got no place in your life. You walk around feeling like you're still the same old person that you've always been. You've been made alive in Christ. Paul says, hey, the old is gone, the new has come. You're not who you were. Stop walking around acting like you're still dead. That's not who you are. We've also been loved. We've been embraced by God. And we're free from the fear of punishment. 1 John 2.2 He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. 1 John 2.2 here, uh, the CSB says that Christ is the atoning sacrifice there. The theological word that they get that from is expiation. I believe a better fit there is the word propitiation, but I believe that both, I believe that it's a both and. So, so here, here's what this is, and here's why I bring it up. In the Old Testament, 
They had to sacrifice every year. There had to be a sacrifice every year. We are told in the New Testament that Jesus Christ, he is the sacrifice once and for all. There is no need for any more sacrifices. Atonement or expiation means to cover sin. Okay, so I've got some scars here from the cap, but I've got a blazer on right now. The scar is covered, right? It's still there, but it's covered. Propitiation means that the penalty of our sin has been dealt with. God said, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. If you sin, you're going to die. There's a definite consequence, a definitive consequence for sin. Propitiation means that the consequence has been dealt with. Christ stood in our place. He himself is the propitiation for our sins. He took our place. He was our substitute. Friends, let me tell you, when God says he loves you, he loves you not because you're lovable, but because Christ has made you lovable. You may not always feel lovable, but it doesn't change the fact that he loves you. I know dad's here today, so y'all don't go ask him after this, but I know I wasn't always lovable. Don't nod your head yes. I wasn't always lovable, but he's loved me anyway. Truth be told, he wasn't always lovable, but I loved him anyway. Kayla can tell you, I'm not always lovable, but she loves me anyway. She's always lovable. We have a status that's been given to us by God. And as we end this year and we go into the next year, may our prayer be, God, give us true biblical vision so that we might see who you are, what you're doing, and what you've done for us. May 2022 be a year that God transforms our hearts and our minds so that we may see him for who he is. That we may joyfully join in the work that he is doing and that we may embrace fully that which he's done for us. God's glory is his holiness manifested. Just yesterday we celebrated the birth of Jesus. And if you're in here today and you've never trusted Jesus, my plea to you, I'm begging you, if God is drawing you to himself, respond today to the drawing. If God has revealed to you that you were separated from him because of sin, sin is anything we think, say, or do that displeases God and breaks his rules, respond to him today. The Bible says that if we confess that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God has raised from the dead, we'll be saved. For everyone, the Bible says, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you're in here today and you do know Jesus, but your vision's a little blurred, will you simply pray, God, and I'm sorry to carry on the analogy, but you know what? Let's just go for it. God, give me the right prescription for the eyes of my heart so that I can see what you want me to see and live as you want me to live.
As our praise team comes, I'm going to pray for us. And then as we go into this time of invitation, whatever God the Holy Spirit leads you to do, if, if that's to be saved, hey, uh, I and some others would be more than excited to pray with you about that. If it's to come to the altar and pray, may you do that. If it's to join the church, respond. If it's to fall in obedience through baptism, may you do that. But will you stand with me and pray as we go into this time of invitation? God, we love you and we thank you. Lord, and I pray that as we go from here today and as we do all that you have laid before us, God, that we would be obedient in that. God, that we would wait upon you to show us the way to go. God, that we would embrace all that you've done, that we would see you for who you are. God, and we would rejoice in that. God, we thank you that Jesus has come, that he has revealed your glory, full of grace and truth. God, I confess that I often have blurred vision. So God, will you please give me clarity of sight to see you, see your plan and to see who you've made me.